Hello and welcome to the Guys Like Us podcast. This is your host, Tyler Brondike, and today I'm joined with Jordan Rayner, who is a podcaster, author, and entrepreneur. So stay tuned. Welcome back, everyone, to the Guys Like Us podcast. This is your host, Tyler Brondike, and joined today with Jordan Rayner. This is the second time having him on the show. Um, It is always a pleasure speaking with him, and today is no exception. For longtime listeners, welcome back. If you've tuned in before, tuned into uh, hearing hearing from Jordan, would really encourage you to tune back in. This is a a great conversation um, about time, about redeeming your time. For new listeners, you're in for an absolute treat today as well. In this podcast, we discuss the theology of time, how we understand time, where where we are have gone wrong with time, um, what are maybe some distractions, some um, some things that come to the surface that are bringing us away from yeah being productive, but being productive in a way that honors God as well, um, first and foremost, and so. We talk about redeeming your time, how Jordan spends his days, how he consumes news, being a, just being a good steward all around. And so um, one of the biggest topics today, which you'll you'll hear is on Sabbath, on Sabbath rest, and the value and just the joy of feasting, what that great heavenly banquet looks like. And so tune in and um, I'm encouraged and, and believe that really the way that we think about time and rest it is just a, a testament to the, the gospel, to what Christianity brings. That is countercultural. That is um, a different narrative that we can that we can live um, and, and really embody as a people. And so, without further ado, here is my conversation with Jordan. Jordan, thanks so much for uh, for joining the podcast and, and the guys like us tribe here thrilled to be here Tyler I don't know I don't think I said this on air last time but when I was going through media tour for the last podcast you were easily one of the best interviewers uh and so I was like oh yeah I am more than happy to come back on the guys like us podcast this is a joy well thank you yeah and I know that you um that Brett helps you know set up some of these podcasts too and Brett always gives me the the best best guest to speak to so when I saw your name pop across and we're connected, I'm like, oh, of course. And so, um, and I love this is, oh my goodness, this topic is something that is very close to my heart, especially right now. Um, so very timely message. And um, yeah, I guess let's just, we can dive right in. And so it, we're recording here in September. Podcast is, is you know, that will be launched by the time your the book releases, Redeeming yeah. Your Time. So first of all, congrats. I'm looking at you now. Though Thanks. audience won't be able to see what's behind you. Yeah, um, there is. Yeah, you you have a kind of a slew of your books there, but this is yes. the, this is a this is a new one. So tell me what um what kind of what sparked, yeah, what sparked this book? I, I think um there's a lot that's happened obviously in the last year and a half that could have um some people were it were working from home a lot and were question were kind of questioned with how to be productive in a world of distractions, a world that lacks spiritual formation now a world that you know that is um is very hurried a world that wants quick solutions so these are just a few things that come to mind for me and um but want to hear a little bit from from you obviously yeah so kind of the backstory in this book um i've always been obsessed with managing my time well 
right? Because mm-hmm. I believe that good time management is part of our response to the gospel. Mm-hmm. I, I, Paul mm-hmm. makes this really clear in Ephesians 5, 16. Mm-hmm. Expounds upon the gospel in Ephesians 1 through 5. And then he says, hey, our response to this is to redeem your time. Redeeming the time because the days are evil. We are running out of time to do the work that God has called us to do. And over the course of my career, you know, Tyler, I, I've read, I don't know, mm-hmm. 45-ish books on the topic of time management. And I've always had three really big problems with those books, as great as they are. Right? Mm-hmm. Number one, they're, they tend to be centered on what I call works-based productivity. Yeah. Nearly every time management guru says, right. hey, listen, you're feeling stressed and overwhelmed. Follow my system. Do exercises X, Y, and Z. And then you will find peace. Hmm. As Christ followers, we can start with the opposite premise. We can start with grace-based yeah. productivity, this idea that because we are adopted children of God through Christ, we already have peace, but we do time management exercises X, Y, and Z, not to get peace, but in response to it as an act of worship. And that's just a radically hmm. different perspective to build a book on time management around. So that was the first problem. Mm-hmm. The second problem is, all these books, as great as they are, they fail to account for how the author of time managed his time when he came to earth in the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus was, Christian or not, very hard to dispute, Jesus was the most productive hmm. person who ever lived. And yet I've never read a book that studied the Gospels for what they are, biographies of the life of Jesus Christ, and studied what are the timeless principles here that we can extract and apply to our own efforts to redeem our time? Now, listen, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the Gospels don't show Jesus with a to-do list or a calendar. I'm not saying that, right? But they do show him dealing with distractions at work, fighting for solitude, seeking to be busy without being hurried, right? In other words, they show Jesus facing a lot of the same challenges you and I face today, Tyler. But because he was infallible God, we can assume he manages time perfectly, so this book, Redeeming Your Time, mm-hmm, basically mm-hmm. outlines these seven timeless time management principles from the life of Jesus, as we see in the Gospels, and then maps them to these 32 hyper-practical practices to help us walk like Jesus walked today in the 21st century. Mm-hmm. Right. So problem number one, most time management books are centered on work-based productivity. Work-based, yeah. Problem number two, they fail to account how for how the most productive person who ever lived, lived his life. And then the third problem is, uh, yeah, in my experience, most time management books fail to connect the very many pieces of the time management puzzle, right? So prior to writing this book, if I was having coffee with somebody and they're like, Jordan, man, I'm swamped. Here's my problems. Uh, and I would unpack it with them. In the course of that conversation, I would recommend, I don't know, a dozen books that that person really needed to read to fully solve their problems. That's the last thing somebody wants to hear, right? But the truth is, each of those books contains a piece of the puzzle, but no one book contained all the pieces and connected mm-hmm, them mm-hmm. together in a cohesive whole. And I believe that by studying the life of Christ and how he stewarded his 33 years on earth, mm-hmm, we mm-hmm. can connect the pieces of the puzzle together and have a holistic picture of what it means to redeem our time, not for our own fame and fortune, but for the glory of God and the mm-hmm, good of others. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's actually so. That's that's where I was going to start, kind of of the theology and kind of yeah. of the the at the crux, really, of, of how yeah of how we kind of view our 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 time and any other you know decisions that we make. You know, it's it's funny how the gospel just. I mean, you then every everything you start to do, you kind of filter through this 
through the through the word. And so, yes. and so, yeah. And I, so, I think that's very interesting. So that the thirty three years that Jesus is on earth, we see very little about his his adolescence, right? We see him in the synagogue right. studying. Um, and so one of, one of the things I'm, I, I think about is, yeah, is to be productive is to, yeah, is to, to work really hard and to be someone who is, yeah, always trying to strive for the next thing, but it's, it almost seems like, okay, maybe, but, but then there's, there's also this, this understanding of time in Jesus's life as well. So you have Kronos and Kairos, yep. two different kind of conceptions of time. Um, t- can you talk a little bit about, um, yeah, how, what it means to be busy without always falling into an accomplishment based mindset? Yeah. Does that make totally. sense? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Absolutely. Yeah. So I talk about this a little bit in the book, you know, this idea that the gospel is both our ultimate source of rest and ambition. Right? Hmm. I think this gets to the heart of what you're talking about. Uh, Ephesians 2, yeah. 8 through 10, I think is the core passage on this, right? If you grew up in the church, you probably grew up memorizing Ephesians 2, 8, 9, probably not verse 10, uh, but verses 8, 9 says, hey, we are saved not by works, but by faith alone so that nobody can boast, right? Mm-hmm. And that's true. So we are not saved by our works. But Ephesians 2, 10 says we are saved for good works, right? We are created yeah. in Christ Jesus for good works that the Father set uh, right. before us. So we, we the gospel has saved us in spite of anything we've done right but the whole purpose of our, of our salvation is to do good works and to redeem our time as we do those good works so it provides us with that soul level rest right there's nothing i need to do I, I have no need to be productive because i am accepted regardless of how productive mm-hmm, i am mm-hmm, in this life mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but that is what paradoxically makes me wildly ambitious to be productive because I want to make happy and bring pleasure to uh, mm-hmm. the one who saved me. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Good picture of this, I think. A- a- every night when I put my girls to bed, I have a seven-year-old, a five-year-old, yeah. and a two-year-old. Yeah. Yeah. And every night I put them to bed, I say, hey, kids, uh, you know daddy loves you no matter how many good things you do? They're like, yeah. I was like, you know I love you no matter how many bad things you do? They say, yeah. I was like, who else loves you like that? And they say, Jesus, right? Uh. That's the picture there, right? And who doesn't want to spend their lives being productive for Jesus, the one who ensures us that we are loved ultimately, regardless of how many good things we do, how productive we are, how many bad Mm -hmm. things we do, how Mm -hmm. unproductive we are. I think that's the picture. Yeah. No, certainly. And and I think, and you definitely discuss on this as well, is 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 understanding rest, understanding Sabbath rest, and, and how that, I think, in in order to understand work, you must also understand rest. At least that's kind of the conclusion I've come to. And and we look in, you know, obviously in Genesis, we move on to uh, Leviticus, and then we move throughout the Gospels and, and come who, all who are weary and, and seeking rest. Um, and so you see this, like, this how, yeah, this con- continued pattern of rest um, through the Old Testament into the New Testament. But then we see how Jesus really kind of turns up, obviously on his head like he does for everything. And it's, yeah, it's like, it's the, the intimacy, the presence. And so, I, and I think with that, I think it's just, yeah, what are some practices that you, of how you orient yourself for rest? So getting real practical yeah. of how, mention rest, okay, a lot of us don't know how to rest. Or when we, yeah. when we enter into rest, we resist it. And right. we want to, we want to plan for rest. Some, and yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. 
Yeah, so I'd love to talk through practically what this looks like. But first, I think I need to say a, a couple of things in preparation yeah. for this. Because so, uh, I think for a lot of us, if we're honest, Sabbath looks like a legalistic, life-sucking chore. It yeah. looks like this day filled with things that we can't do rather than this day filled with good things that we That's can good. do. And by the way, That's good. Yeah. I think Jesus agreed with that sentiment. Look at Mark chapter 2 right uh he basically told the pharisees yeah you're making this life-sucking legalism look at mark 2 mark 3 there's back-to-back scenes here and this is where he Hmm. says that sabbath was made for man not man for the sabbath sabbath is a gift right so Mm. yes it is about ceasing it's about stopping productive things because god knows that's what's good for our souls Mm -hmm. but it's also a day of feasting Feasting. right feasting on the word with your church family feasting on 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 physical things on good food and wine right like that's a picture of sabbath and so for me and my family um I, i did not grow up observing the sabbath i didn't know anybody who uh seriously observed the sabbath but in my family Dude, Tyler, it is the most life-giving thing that we do every week. My kids, my kids have no concept of time. They're seven, five, and two. Every morning right. when they wake up, they're like, is it Sabbath Sunday yet? I'm like, no, it's not Sabbath Sunday. It's Tuesday. We just had Sabbath. Come on, kids. But all right, so what does this look like practically? Wow. wow. Um, ironically, it starts with work, right? Uh, there's a verse in Hebrews that yeah. said we have to make effort to enter the rest that God has given us. Yeah. So on Saturday afternoons. Uh, we finish up everything productive that we would typically have to do on Sundays, right? So mm-hmm. we do all of our laundry. We do the dishes. Uh, we make plans for Sunday and who we're going to spend time with. We do all that on Sunday or on Saturday afternoon so that when Sunday comes, we can fully focus on, you know, basically doing nothing, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, that's not true. Not nothing. But so right, right, uh, right. once we've done all of our work, we kick off Sabbath on Saturday evening we order takeout from one of our favorite spots in town and cookies from Crumble Cookies, which is the greatest thing ever made. Uh, we light a candle so our house smells like pumpkin spice waffles, you know, for 24 glorious hours. And yeah, man, they would just like feast uh, on Saturday yeah. night. Sunday morning, yeah. my wife feasts on sleep. Uh, I get up at my normal time, hang out with the kids. Right. It's the only day of the week they get to watch a full length movie. So they watch a full-length movie. I make them a cup of coffee. Don't judge me. Uh, I make them a cup of coffee on Sundays. And yeah, man, we just take it real slow. We go to our favorite donut shop in town, come back home in plenty of time to go to church, feast on the word with our church family, come back. And then Sunday afternoons are usually pretty lazy. It's nothing fancy, right? Uh, Somebody on my podcast once said, sometimes Sabbath is as simple as a kiddie pool and a beer. Yeah, that pretty much describes most Sabbath Sundays in my world, yeah, right? A good yeah, beer, yeah. watching the kids play in the kiddie pool. And that's it, man. Uh, but it is yeah. a life-giving joy. It mm-hmm. is an island. I say this in the book. It's an island of get-to in a sea of have-to. I stole that right. from Kevin DeYoung. Uh, but yeah. that, that's the idea here. Right. Wow, that's so several insights here. One is you guys, you guys like your sweets, huh? I mean, I, I'm with you. I'm Dude, you, cookies, donuts, back to back. It is, it's a marathon weekend. You're, back um, to back. you're just yeah, going we, for we it. Go, we go real hard. Oh yeah. Real hard. yeah. So I, I, I'm with you there. Um, and yeah. um, but it, it, right, is it like I think the beauty of it is like this can really be a foretaste of the heavenly banquet. I think is one hundred percent is when you enter into that feast, and, and I'll tell you, I um, 
I guess it's changed since we've connected. My uh, I, did, I recently got married, and so my wife. Oh my gosh! Congratulations! That's awesome. Thank you. And so my wife is act, was actually born in Brazil, and so she um, culturally has just a little a different understanding of um, of family and of yeah. fe- and of food and of gathering, and it is it is throw me for a loop. Um, <laughs> and so it's like you know, first of all, I'm used to eating at six p.m. on the dot, and so now right. it's like. In the evening, we could we might not eat till nine p.m. So it's like I need a I need to pack a lunch before I, right, I get going. Right, exactly. And that was like that was the biggest cultural like out of anything that was the hardest thing it was like when am I going to eat really my food funny. right? And so, um, but it's crazy and and it's but it's this greater appreciation too. And I think there's something there that is I think maybe like just a almost like a kernel of, of some real truth there that is, you know what there is this this joy of of sharing gathering around the table and we see it throughout throughout the scripture of the amount of times that Jesus is breaking bread, drinking wine, hanging out like at, at the table with, with different people. And so I think that's just such a great, like just to recenter Dude, that is so good. We forget that we're children of yeah. the king, right? Like I use this picture in the book, you know, imagine there's this like giant banquet hall, this giant dining room. Maybe think of Hogwarts. Right, the, the oh, that's hunt. good. Yep, it's a yep. huge table with the greatest food and wine in the world. And at the at the at, at the front of the table, the head of the table is Jesus. And all week long, you and I are the servers. Right, we're serving Jesus. We're serving his guests through our work, metaphorically. Right, we're hustling and bustling. Sabbath is first an invitation to put down the tray, to take off our apron, to cease mm-hmm. from productivity, and to rest. Mm. But, but this is where the analogy breaks mm. down, right? Because in a restaurant, the servers are invited to take a break, but they take their breaks in the alley or in the kitchen, or they're never invited to sit down at the table with our guests and feast. But you and I are children of the king. We are co-heirs with Christ. We're not invited just to stop. We're invited to feast on the good things that our good father has already given us in our work Hmm. to allow strivings to cease to stop longing for what's coming on monday or tuesday and just enjoy what is already in our hands Mm -hmm. that i think is a picture of sabbath and and what what happens when you do this it cultivates greater gratitude right Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and it also is a way of subtly preaching the gospel to yourself right because it reminds me that I am loved and accepted and have my being without being productive. Outside of being productive all day, I'm still a child of God. I'm still loved. And, and, and we, man, busy professionals, we need that reminder constantly, constantly. Yeah. Sabbath yeah. is just one way to remind ourselves of those truths. Yeah. No, and it, it's, and I'm coming from Boston, and a lot of listeners are probably, you know, in, a lot of listeners are in business or are in, in places of, of not just business, you know, in healthcare and spaces where there's a lot, there's the demands are very high. And, and it can almost seem like, you know, it can, sometimes it can, it can feel like disobedience to, to put a, put a pause and to cease yeah. and to feast as well, you know, and, and, yeah. and to unplug and, and to do that. And I know that that's very real for a lot of our, a lot of our listeners too. And I, myself and many of us is, you know, there's that temptation, right? You know, I have my phone right next to me and it's, I'm always, I'm always on. What are some ways that you've allowed yourself to better enter into or where, where, yeah, how, how can we yeah. process that to better enter into it without feeling this level of guilt too? Cause I think that, 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 that guilt sometimes does come. Oh yeah, for sure it comes. I'll, I'll say one thing. 
I think a lot of people listen to me talk about Sabbath and are just like, there's a 0% chance I can make that happen in this stage of life. A couple hmm. things. Number one, my life is bananagrams right now. I have three young kids. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I am growing two businesses. There's a lot going on there. But two, for some people, there are like very real constraints there, right? Yeah. Here's what I would tell you. Start by taking an hour off a week. Seriously, an hour, two hours where your phone is off and you just feast on the mm-hmm. board, mm-hmm. on good food. Mm-hmm. Start mm-hmm. there, right, and grow gradually. I will say this, though. Part of entering the rest you alluded to this before Mm -hmm. we talked about your phone is related to our devices Hmm. right like Hmm. uh principle number three of the book is this principle i call descent from the kingdom of noise uh and when you look at the gospels like this is one that just jumps off the pages as something that we just don't do in contrast to jesus the number of times the gospels mention jesus withdrawing to a quote lonely place or a quote solitary place is staggering it, yeah, it, it, yeah. in the third gospel alone luke mentions jesus's love of lonely places three times in a chapter and a half right yeah, uh, yeah. we've got to figure out how to dissent from the kingdom of noise in the 21st century and of course that's i'm right. talking about that's right our smartphones but i'm also talking about news i'm also talking about just things that block out our ability to be silent and reflective so that we can think so we can be creative and most importantly so that we can listen to the voice of god right Mm -hmm. uh and and part Mm -hmm. of that is just getting better at parenting our phones right and spending considerable amounts of time away from them for me when i'm done working at 5 p.m every day my phone goes into our master bathroom on silent from 5 until 7 30 ish p.m every night and then on Sunday, it's off from Saturday night. It's off airplane mode from Saturday night till Sunday night. And dude, th- that has been wow. one of the most life-giving things for me, enabling me to be fully present, yeah. focused on my family during those hours, which is you know crucial to the call of my life. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And and I love that too. And I think it models something to your family as well. And, and so I, I like as you know, as listeners are in stages of their lives right now and where they're either in marriage maybe or, or they have their kids. And like, again, like it's crazy how, and I, I also coach soccer and for coaches out there, like, you know that, you know, when one player does something, everyone else follows that person, right? And so there's a level of character and of discipline of saying, you know, I'm going to be that person that's going to set that example. And, 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 you know, for Christians to hold on to, 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 to really be formed in that, in that, in that formation, which I think we, I think is, is such a, such a blessing and a gift for us. So, yeah, listen, in today's crazy, distracted world, your undivided attention, your ability to be fully present with Mm. your family, with your coworkers is the most valuable present. Mm. That's it. Right. Like it's such a rare, rare, rare thing. And when you see it, when you see somebody looking you in the eye without their phone buzzing and distracting them every three seconds, it's a beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you what, I think that's sometimes when we hear God the clearest too. Got oh, it. No doubt. You know, we look in one Kings, I believe 18 or so around there about this still small voice, not in the, not yes. in the, in the fire. And, and though God is big, very big and can speak through fire and, and can speak through these things, um, he also comes intimately present 
with us and that level of intimacy. Think about, yeah. Think about the think about the song Be Still and Know that I'm God. Stillness comes before mm-hmm. the knowing. And in order to be still, hmm. we have to descend from the kingdom of noise. We can our minds cannot be still if we constantly have a podcast playing in our ears. It's mm-hmm. impossible. It's impossible. Or our phone's buzzing every three seconds. We have got to turn down the noise in our lives right. to hear his voice and to know who he is. Right. And, and, and so with that, you mentioned something a little bit earlier that has really stuck with me and was on news. And so it, you're going to you're going to hear a lot of people like, oh, yeah, you know, you're going to you're going to have the amen corner getting pretty excited yeah. right now about getting getting rid of bad news. But tell me how you curate your news, Like, how do you yeah. stay informed without getting down the rabbit hole? You know? Yeah, 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 yeah totally. So um, about six years ago, I stopped 100 percent of news consumption. No news websites, no news TV no news podcast, zero. And what I found, and gosh, I wish somebody had told me this, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. is that uh, I wasn't totally ignorant, right? My friends started curating the news for me. Hmm. Listen, I hear about every single thing that truly matters to my work and my life. I'll give you an example. I'm a huge Tim Keller fan. When Tim Keller tweeted that he had been diagnosed with pancreatic cancer, Eight of my friends texted me within 10 minutes of the news break. That's right. I hear about pandemics. I hear about hurricanes. I hear about race riots and media trends and rumors of every new Taylor Swift album because I'm a closet Taylor Swift fan. (laughs) Uh, And listen, I hear about all these things without having to spend a second waiting through the 99.9% of content on social media and news websites. That's one, meaningless to me and my work, but two, also incredibly anxiety inducing. Mm-hmm. That's not just yeah. my opinion. There is loads of data. Oh yeah, that the news makes us anxious. Here's here's the deal: if you let your if you if you just abstain from news, mm-hmm. most of your friends are going to choose to continue to feast at the all you can eat information buffet, and they will willingly, naturally, and largely unknowingly curate the news for you. I'm begging you, please try letting them. Just give it a shot. Do it for a week and see what happens. That's uh, true. As I've been leading people through an advanced copy of this book, this practice alone, this is one of 32 practices in the book, has been totally life-changing for people. Yeah, yeah. Now, that's really interesting, actually. I, and you're right. I, similar. I, I don't consume much news either. Yeah. Very little. I, I've been taking a break from social media as well, yeah. which for me, and right now, I don't need to be on it right now. And so, and it's actually, I've found it's, you know, it's, it's been fun. I'm still very informed, you know. Yeah, I, I heard all these things you meant. Like I heard about, I heard about the, the Tim Keller, um, yeah. the, getting diagnosed. I heard about the this this new podcast, the the Mars Hill podcast. Like I, I've heard yeah, about exactly. all the, yes. all these things. Yeah, yeah. So it's 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 funny. You're because everyone wants to talk about these things, you know. It's just like it's your friends are going to mention it, and you're at some point you're going to hear it, you know, whether it's. A sign outside or something you're going to walk into or whatever it is. You're going to yeah. walk into a Starbucks. You're going to see the front page of the newspaper. And the only thing that matters is what's above the fold, right? Yeah. Uh, right. And listen, if, if you don't interact with a lot of people, just start asking people, right? Sure. I, I, sure. I got this practice from Tim Ferriss in the four-hour work week like 15 years yeah. ago, right? He When he goes out to eat, he just asks the waiter or waitress, like, hey, what's new in the world? Right? Yeah. It's a great question. Like, That's what's actually going funny. On? Yeah. You're going to get in two minutes – a really quick, uh, really quick news chat. I, I want to add one more thing. Sure, sure. Because this is such an important topic. Sure. 
I hope some of your listeners will try this, but most of them won't, right? Most yeah. of them are like, this is too extreme. So let me let me beg those people to do something less extreme here. Okay. Just stop swimming in infinity pools of content, right? Infinity pools are Instagram stories, news websites that seamlessly scroll from one useless story to the next, right? These things never end, and that's the whole point because that's how significant ad revenues are generated through these platforms, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm, Choose mm-hmm. finite pools of content instead. A daily news roundup, right? The Daily Brew email, right? Or Albert Moeller's uh, 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 podcast summarizing the day's news through that's a right. biblical perspective. Sure. Or, this is going to sound crazy coming from a 35-year-old, uh, get a physical newspaper, right? Like, the, the beauty of a newspaper in the words of the New York Times, is it's all the news that's fit to print. It has a fit. It's in a contained box, a contained product. And I think there's something beautiful about that for those of us that find ourselves just being consumed by the quicksand of these infinity pools of content. Yeah. No, that's that, that's very practical, and that, that's and that's I think what a lot of the guys need to hear is like, okay, I, in theory, this all sounds great, but like, tell me what to do, you know. And, and yes. I, I was joking around with my um with my wife, and you know, she's like, oh, you know, I'm just gonna hang out with my friends, and we're just gonna have fun. I'm like, well, what are you gonna do? Like, wh- like, are you gonna go for a hike? Like, are you gonna go for a walk? Like, are you gonna are you gonna like do you have a book that you're reading? Like, like what what's? And she's like, no, like we're just you know, like we just chat. And I'm like. What like guys like guys don't respond that way you know like I don't comprehend don't uh, I don't speak that language what is that a form is that what so anyways so um, now yeah. here's the deal it's got to get practical right because these principles that we see in the life of Christ are great and, and, and listen they are clearly the model it's a biblical model for being purposeful present and productive mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. the way Jesus lived out those principles in the first century are going to be radically different than yeah. the way we do it in the twenty first century that's why. This is by far the most practical book I've ever written, probably ever will write again. There's these 32 hyper-practical practices to help us integrate this stuff. Because mm-hmm. that, that's, mm-hmm. a, that's another problem with time management things, Tyler. Some of them yeah. are so they, – they, they, they tend to over-skew to the theoretical or the tactical or for the few uh, books in the space in the Christian world, too theological. Right? right? I was trying to find something that was a happy medium between those three it's part of the reason why i wrote the book yeah yeah no that's right i mean you you, you and i agree you get you get a, a theological exegesis of time and you're like i like <laughs> i don't know what to do with i this. don't like it's interesting like yeah it oh it's very interesting it's like but like am i this is this is not going to be a, a typical book that i'm going to like read on a normal basis unless i was in school reading it you know like right so bridge, bridging that those gaps i think is great and i think you've done a great job in in your book as well Thanks. because a, a lot of times we can we can um yeah, we can shortchange one one aspect, and I think a lot of these, can, we can shortchange the theology of it behind it as well. Yeah, and totally. I think I've we I've seen I think more so of that in a lot of the, the recent books. Um, and so you have to you have to navigate with the text, with with the word, and, and how it relates to to business, how it relates to psychology. Um, totally. And, and, and there's listen, because that's common grace, right? We as Christians have so much to learn from non-christian thinkers in this world all truth is revealed by god right this is so clear all throughout scripture Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. all true truth is revealed by god to christians and non-christians alike so we should study those things 
But man, we have to always use the gospel as our lens for thinking about these things, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, somebody asked me the other day, they're like, why didn't you write this for a broader audience? I'm like, be- because that book has been written a million times. Mm-hmm, it, mm-hmm. Like, I wanted a uniquely Christian approach to thinking about time. Because after reading 45 books on the topic, I just couldn't find it. Mm-hmm. No, that's right. That's right. And uh, and so, hey, just kind of as we kind of move along here and, and want to save th- these 32 practices and principles, among yeah. others, for, 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 you know, for listeners to grab, to grab uh, and dig in themselves, right? Because we can, we can talk about it, but I, I think it is important to, to get it back into reading. And a lot of us are, you know, before we believe it or not, you know, our first, I think for me, it's my first 30 minutes of my day, I get into the word, I read, I'll pick a, just a chapter every morning and I encourage listeners just to, whether it's this book or other books, to grab a chapter, to read a chapter in the morning, to get in and to orient yourself kind of into, yeah, into, I think the way that you want your day to, that I think God wants your day to go to. And so, um, well, hey, I would encourage readers, yeah. before you read my book in the mornings, read the word, right? Like yeah. this Principle number one of the of the seven of the book is start with the word because, man, when you look at how Jesus stewarded his time, he prioritized time with the Father above everything, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, above mm-hmm. sleep, above food, above time with his disciples. Mm-hmm, man, mm-hmm. if he needed that much time with the Father, how much more do we, right? So I hope you read my book too. Right. But, man, be in the word and really... Right. Mine it for its truth and how it applies to your life. I, I personally love Martin Luther's method mm-hmm. of Bible say that's what I've been doing for years. Hmm. But whatever works for you works. Just find a method, figure out the time you can do it most consistently, just be hmm. the word. It, 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 can you can you explain a little about Martin Luther's I I'm yeah. familiar with law and gospel and so yeah. and I think that's kind of his general theology, but can you dig into a little bit of his method of study? Yeah, I'm actually I intrigued. To. I would love to. So I learned this uh, by way of Tim Keller's great book on prayer. Yes. So yes. Um, Luther, would. this is an oversimplification of the process, but this is how I've followed it. Luther would take a passage of scripture, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Pick a passage he wanted to meditate on, and then he would read it, think about it for a minute, and then he would write out four things in response to the text. Hmm. First, he would write out the text's instruction, right? So what is this verse, what is this passage commanding me to do, compelling me to do? Yeah. Number two, he would write out a praise. What about the command is leading me to praise God for some aspect of his character? That's right. right? Number three, he would write out a confession of where hmm. he had fallen short of the command. And then fourth and finally, he would write out a prayer of supplication, just asking for the Lord's help mm. to live out those commands. And then he would move into just kind of an open-ended yeah, time yeah. of prayer for his day and what he had coming. But I love that framework. Yeah, Really yeah. simple. And it's praying in response to Scripture, which is how we should be praying. Yeah. We should be hearing the Word and then responding to the Word in prayer. Yeah, yeah. No, that's good, and I I love my frameworks, and we all, we all love our frameworks because they help. They just they, they can help us not to to be confined by the boxes, but that they can help us orient ourselves, and then yeah, I think start to see kind of the arc of of the gospel as well, and, and the important elements of that. Right, looking into praise, looking into confession, and, and seeing how these all kind of start to to show the way of Christ, um, and so. Well, awesome, Jordan. Thanks so much for for sharing some time here and and hanging out. And um, I'm also I was encouraged to hear your 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 love for donuts. And so, 
If anything, if anything, have a donut this weekend. Maybe just feast you know, a little bit, you know? I'm going to. There's yeah. no doubt. Okay, good. Well, Jordan, thanks so much. Um, and, and really, you know, I, I trust and pray that listeners will are encouraged and, and empowered and, and will, will grow in um, in faith, in, in time management, and just in, in the way that they're honoring God with their time and the way that they're stewarding it. So um, thank you so much. Amen. Thanks, Sarah.